G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And Dan Flynn is the Victorian State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, joining us once again. Good morning, Dan. Welcome along. Uh, Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Dan, you're in Tasmania today because that's part of your uh, oversight. Uh, You're not only the Victorian State Director, but you look after the uh, ACL uh, commitments and uh, lobbying processes that go on in Tasmania. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments because I know uh, you're in Tasmania for a particularly important issue and we'll get to that in just a few moments. Sure. But uh, let's start with tomorrow night's federal budget, uh, an election budget, uh, not so much pain expected. Uh, any thoughts from yourself on uh, on the lead up to the budget? It'll be very interesting, Neil. The uh, you know there are marginal seats that uh, uh, there'll be some focus on. Uh, you know, I think from a Christian perspective, we'll uh, be having a look at what's delivered by way of foreign aid. That's a very important uh, budget commitment, and can somehow get sort of lost and buried in an election year. Uh, but our um, overall aid hasn't been increasing as it should. Uh, we hope that will, and um, I suppose uh, uh, you know won't be lost in in the um, uh, election sweeteners that uh, might try to get votes in certain parts of the community. Well, an election budget, and as I said, not so much pain expected. The first budget surplus uh, likely to be delivered in more than a decade. Uh, it's, what it means, I guess, here, Dan, is there's going to be a little extra cash to splash for both sides, and the idea of pork barrelling, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, sending out uh, handouts left, right and centre to buy votes in that sense, uh, there is the likelihood that we'll see that on both sides, do you think? Uh, Neil, it's, it's probably not an observation I'd want to make, but, you know, we, we can all sort of um, see what, you know, see what is promised and where it is promised and in what electorates it is and draw our own conclusions. Uh, but I think that, um, uh, you know, it's something that people look for in in this. They probably get quite cynical, and and I think people who are in very safe seats sometimes can feel quite neglected, you know, in relation to stadiums and you know other things that may uh, sort of appear in a budget. But look, let's uh, keep an open mind about that. Let's uh, believe that the budget uh, will uh, be in the best interest of all Australians. I know there'll be a focus on regional Australia. That's good. Uh, so um, yeah, I certainly. Uh, hope we can all keep an open mind and uh, look the treasure in the eye and think, yep, that's a good, honest budget. That's what we'll be hoping for. Well, the budget uh, being delivered by the Treasurer tomorrow night and uh, then later this week, no doubt there'll be a budget reply from the opposition leader. And uh, the likelihood, too, uh, if Labor wins the upcoming election, that they'd probably have another budget before September. Uh, Let's talk about the date just briefly, because uh, elections likely to be called uh, through this coming week or next weekend. Uh, What are your thoughts on the likely date, Dan? Look, I'm hearing that the election will be, you know, announced this weekend uh, and uh, that the election date uh, from... 
certainly from um, my contacts inside parliamentary offices, uh, seem to indicate the 11th of May is the most likely date. Uh, and uh, there's no certainty about that, but that's the most likely, uh, probably the 18th if it's not the 11th. But I think we ought to brace ourselves for the 11th. We've got uh, five weeks uh, during that period, of course. We've got school holidays, we've got Easter, we've got Anzac Day. So there's um, a heap of other things that are on people's minds apart from this election and the promises uh, that are going to be made. So it'll be a, a, a fairly distracting sort of period, I think. Uh, and uh, But people won't want their holidays troubled and um, uh, perhaps some of the policies may not get as much scrutiny as they would otherwise. And I imagine a short but quite intense campaign. Uh, there's an awful lot at risk for the government and, uh, of course, Labor banking on uh, the momentum that they have in the polls. Uh, it will be a very, very hard-fought campaign, no doubt. Uh, plenty more to talk about as those things begin to unfold. The very important reason that you are in Tasmania today, Dan Flynn, uh, around this Tasmanian gender legislation, and it seems to be what started as a bill to harmonise Tasmanian laws with the federal change to the definition of marriage, well... Now it's become the eye of the gender ideology storm. What's been going on in Tasmania? There are moves afoot to create a, an offence, uh, a penalty for people who misgender people. So that move is afoot. Uh, there's a piece of legislation before the upper house this week uh, and debate will commence on that in the middle of the week. Um, and we are saying to MPs, whatever you do, um, don't uh, put this into law. Uh, this would be unlike any other law in Australia. Uh, the idea that if somebody got the name or pronoun of a person, uh, you know, a trans person wrong, they may want to be called the or they or the. If someone gets that wrong and, and uh, that person's offended, uh, they have a cause of action. So we're working hard to stop that sort of chilling effect uh, on the community down here in Tasmania. Uh, we're very concerned that all of the Labor Party appear to be set to vote for this. We are raising the question with Labor, um, how does this reflect on Bill Shorten's policies? Uh, Bill Shorten, having said late last year, he had no intention uh, to do anything of this type. So that's, that's the first thing that's on the go. The second thing is to change birth certificates so that people can change their gender as often as they like to anything they like, uh, not limited to male and female. And we're very concerned about that. Uh, and the conflict of that with federal laws. Um, people are allowed to discriminate on the basis of sex, uh, say, in the employment of a carer for a child under 18. But if sex is changed, then it'll be impossible to actually discriminate because you won't know who you're dealing with. So we're raising those concerns as well. The numbers are very close, Neil. There's only 14 votes in this chamber. And, um, you know... Who, whatever the outcome is, it'll be, you know, quite possibly eight, six, one way or the other. That's how close it is. And there'll be a lot of, um, you know, lobbying. There'll be a lot of speaking to um, elected representatives this week. Uh, and also their constituents will be speaking. Um, and the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, we have a lot of supporters here in Tasmania. And they're keen to speak to their local MPs. And so I'm down here speaking to supporters uh, today. Uh, in Hobart 
So just to keep this uh, reflecting on just, just for a few more moments here, Dan. Certainly. Uh, so they have an, a lower house and an upper house in Tasmania. And in the lower house, there's been something described as something like a coup d'etat for LGBTI advocates, uh, where the Liberal Speaker combined with the ALP and the Greens to outvote the government and add extra provisions to this bill. And so we're talking about this uh, misgendering. In other words, if someone has decided to change their gender, you can't call them a a he or a she, uh, those pronouns. uh, And and so the possibility of any sort of complaint there could have someone before the courts, uh, dragged before the courts because they misgender someone uh, in the way that they're describing them or referring to them. So that sounds to me like a dreadful situation. And then this idea of uh, removing sex from birth certificates. So this then has gone through the lower house already, but That's you're correct, in Tasmania today because you're talking to upper house MPs uh, in correct. some way to actually save this from going through. What's the... What's the What's the likelihood that's uh, that's heading in the direction of Tasmanians here, Dan? It depends on the independents. So the upper house is, uh, has nine independents, four Labor and two Liberal. So the independents are notionally unaligned and you know open-minded. So that's why you know it is genuine, uh, persuasive work by local uh, voters because these independents they tend to have been somebody who may have been the former mayor or perhaps a sporting identity in the area. Uh, that's the Tasmanian culture for upper house. Uh, they don't, uh, they're not attracted to the political parties. They'll, they'll uh, elect an independent. So, um, you know, we, we have to be persuasive. We have to be, um, connect on the issues, uh, have a case, have a, a point we're trying to make, make it clearly and persuasively. Uh, these people are open to persuasion uh, and uh, it's very important that... Um, uh, we connect uh, well with these independents and make a persuasive case. Uh, so my hope is, Neil, that we uh, the birth certificates thing is defeated or at least goes off to some inquiry so it can be considered dispassionately, um, you know, by the Law Institute or the Law Reform Institute, rather, uh, rather than this sort of um, uh, passion fueled debate we'd like to see this week. Uh, there may be an all-night uh, put in this week. I'm I'm expecting that because the uh, those who are pushing this are keen to get it all done and dusted this week. Um, and when that happens, uh, it's usually a sign something is wrong. When something is debated all night, it means something's happening effectively under the cover of darkness. And that's what we may well see. Well, when you say under the cover of darkness, if it coincides with uh, all of the headlines being taken up by federal budget issues, <laughs> that that's an yeah. under the cover of darkness uh, type of situation, isn't it? Uh, but, Absolutely. Uh, is. did, did, am I understanding this that you, uh, as uh, the ACL uh, state uh, oversight there for Tasmania, you did have an opportunity, Dan, to brief members of the Legislative Council on, on the sorts of things uh, that as Christians we would understand would be a right approach to this. Did you have that opportunity? Uh, yes, that is correct. Um, yes, I have uh, briefed uh, both individually and collectively the legislative councillors and, uh, you know, they've been quite receptive uh, to listen, to try to learn, to understand. Uh, and, you know, even even as recently as Thursday, Friday last week, uh, on the phone to some key independents, uh, they're asking for more resources. I'll provide resources to them today so this is an ongoing conversation 
they're saying to me, look, I've got an open mind, I'll listen to the debate, I'll listen to all the amendments, get any material you want to me. And, um, you know, so you know, we're also saying to the supporters here in Tasmania, this is the time to contact uh, your independent MP in the upper house. They want to hear from you. They want to hear how the electorate feels uh, because um, there are some elections coming up here uh, in uh, a month's time, the 2nd of May. There are three upper house seats up for election uh, and those candidates, those sitting members, um, you know, they could lose their job if they fall out with their voters. Uh, they'll be alive to that issue as well. So all to play for here in Tasmania today. All right. And, uh, and so for Tasmanian listeners today, uh, you're encouraging them to be in contact with their upper house member. And uh, yes. whether that's with an email or uh, yes. uh, how, how else would you, uh, you know, do you make an appointment to go to see them personally? Or, uh, you know, I, I imagine it might be a bit too late for that. But, uh, yeah, but just, yeah, just uh, to ring their office and uh, that, the, uh, the number of calls will be noted and logged conveyed to the member, ring, ring their office with your concern. Uh, there is also a petition on the ACL website uh, whereby uh, people can communicate with their uh, local members, uh, their ALP members or their independent members, uh, let them know what they think. So there is that resource uh, available on the ACL website. Okay, uh, something a little bit connected to this idea, sexuality and such things, uh, in South Australia, some form of conversion therapy ban. What does that look like, Dan? Well, that's what we don't know, Neil. This is the most concerning thing about it. You know, gay conversion therapy, you know, it's sort of, they, they put it out there as, you know, um, you know, electrifying people or doing horrible things to people, um, you know, without people's consent. That's ridiculous. No one's doing that. Um, no one's involved in that. But why is this the vogue? Why are um, you know, parliaments um, talking about this? I think the reason they're talking about it, Neil, is because they want to frighten the church to say, look, no, we would never do that, we don't do that. Um, and then as they back away, the LGBTI advocates uh, drive home under, you know, through this bill the idea that if somebody disagrees with their child's uh, gender fluidity uh, that they were involved in gay conversion. So they, they use this umbrella term conversion to say that you can't change somebody's uh, sexual orientation uh, or their, their gender expression. And so um, it's particularly concerning for parents uh, and it's particularly concerning for um, ministers uh, who might, you know, that their, their help might be sought in relation to a child who is considering uh, transitioning gender, and that child and the parent may well be open for advice and counsel, but the pastors, uh, by this legislation, will be frightened to say to the young boy, look, you're a boy, that's the way you are, and um, you know you should, should proceed in that way. Uh, our concern about these bills, and they're, they're being pushed around the country at the moment, Neil, is that a parent's right to affirm their child's biological sex is under threat by LGBTI activists. That's the concern, and we need to get more detail on the South Australian bill for sure. Dan, it's like a posturing, even a bullying, uh, of uh, those who are advocating this idea. And uh, the fact that the church is in the sights of this LGBT uh, push, 
that's a big concern. And as you say, it's the idea of, uh, you know, forcing you or scaring you in some ways uh, to be thinking about this issue. What are, you, what are your thoughts for, you know, the ordinary listener in uh, part of an ordinary church and they know that there are these issues going on in their town and uh, whether it's South Australia or any other state or territory around the place, uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for how Christians might just approach that and uh, just not be bullied or uh, not uh, respond to the sort of posturing that's that's coming as threats from the LGBT lobby? I think it's important to, to um, in the in the raising of children uh, to assert uh, that uh, God made male and female, and that you know the boys are the boys, the girls are girls. That, that there's every reason to affirm that in a Christian household, and the idea that gender fluidity, fluidity teaching, which this is this is uh, effectively, um, you know, I suppose um, mandating gender fluidity teaching, uh, just needs to be stopped. And so, like you know, in, in, in this home, uh, you know, we believe that uh, boys are boys and girls are girls, and I think pastors need to be free to say that and should say it clearly and often. Uh, that uh, God made male and female. But that's not to say we don't have compassionate for some child or adult uh, who struggles with this issue. Uh, by all means, you know, let's see how that person can be helped and provide an appropriate compassionate response. But in doing that, we don't need to say to all children everywhere, uh, your gender is fluid, because that's just simply not true. Uh, so I think, yeah, parents are standing up against this intimidation, and also pastors standing up is very important. And I think, quite frankly, uh, conservative political parties should be standing up against this nonsense uh, of gender fluidity and, um, you know, the idea that gay conversion uh, therapy banning is going to uh, impact uh, families. Um, We need to make sure that the only thing that's banned uh, is uh, harmful... A non-consensual um, uh, abuse of people. That's always got to be banned. No problems with that. Let's just make sure that uh, this is not being used to push something else through. And uh, time's running out here. Another sort of a good news type of a topic to talk about. In the United States, in the state of Georgia, some heartbeat laws have passed. Now, we're on to this, edi- uh, this uh, issue of abortion here, but, uh, yeah. but where doctors can discern a fetal heartbeat, uh, there's outlawing abortion on that. How does that look? Best news in decades. Uh, Neil, this is fantastic. Uh, so a bill has passed in, in the state of Georgia and uh, where a heartbeat can be detected, an abortion will be banned, be illegal. And that's at about six weeks. So generally speaking, up to this point, uh, uh, you know, people can obtain an abortion up to 20 weeks. Um, there was a vote, I think it was 92 votes to 78, uh, so quite a strong majority um, uh, supported this bill, um, uh, which was called the Living Infants Fairness and Equality Life Act. There's one step to go, the governor's got to sign it. And fortunately, the governor has tweeted saying that Georgia values life. We stand up for the innocent and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, uh, which is almost directly out of Proverbs 31. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all those who are destitute. Um, you know, this is a fantastic thing, Neil, and uh, this may well end up in the Supreme Court in the United States. Uh, uh, we gather that there is a pro-life majority there, so that's 
a good sign. Uh, and in fact, uh, the pro-abortion advocates may not take it to the Supreme Court because they may lose the case, uh, which may have you know implications beyond Georgia. But we need to celebrate this. This is fantastic. Um, you know, the, uh, these little innocent children must be protected. Great to see. It's good news happening in the US. It's not so much good news for here. And uh, some of the issues you raised today, very serious, especially in the state of Tasmania. Dan Flynn, Victorian State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, also has that oversight over uh, those things that are happening in Tasmania. Let me point you to the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au, where you can find some articles and some updates on some of the major, major, Major uh, moral issues that are being debated and uh, that are happening in Australia this very day. Dan Flynn, always appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for sharing them with us today on 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.